So death and life are in the power of the tongue. We speak life, we can expect God to produce miracles, amen? I saw that in the life of my sister-in-law. And, you know, if, if you speak negatively, it says that you're going to eat the fruit thereof. So we have to be very careful of the things that we allow to come out of our mouth. So once again, as we're evaluating the people surrounding us in our valleys of dry bones, do you say all those heathens at work, those deadbeats, my, my, that deadbeat uncle, that drunk nephew, that drug-addicted person, this scum, I mean, all these different negative things that we allow as, as Christians to come out of our mouths. But then we're amazed that nobody ever gets set free by the power of God. Well, you're speaking death over them. So we have to be very careful that we continually, once again, allow ourselves to have the perspective of God who always has hope over every situation. When did God give up on any of us? God help us if he did. God knows I did enough before our salvation that I should have been six feet under. Amen? But yet God didn't give up on Brian Fox. Amen? So how dare me saying that you're too far gone to get saved, that you're too far gone for me to speak life over, your, over you regardless. And I'm not talking about life of just living and, 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 and just waking up on a daily basis. I say, no, I'm talking about life in Jesus Christ where they're saved and set free by the power of God. And now they're starting to come up and live the same sort of things I'm doing. See, in the secular world, Diseases a lot of times and, and the spreads of, of mutations and things like that come from a cell that is corrupted from its original purpose. And because of that, these things travel and you start to have these diseases and everything multiply. But if a cell is vibrant, amen, and duplicates after its own, after its own kind, it only produces after its own kind. See, Jesus wants to take us from that perverted mindset, that corrupted mindset. Now that he's made us new creatures in Christ, he's saying, now I want you to go out fully whole, fully healed, set free, an example of my power, my authority. I want you to go out and duplicate yourself, amen? How are we duplicating ourselves when we're speaking death over people, amen? Instead, we need to take them up under our wing and say, hey, this is what Jesus Christ did for me. He stabilized me. He set me free. Now he can do the same in you, amen? Hallelujah. All right, so now second thing, first thing we looked at is, are you visualizing life in the people that God has called you to interact with. Another thing we'll look at is, has your discouragement about your failures in the past, you know, I'm talking about in terms of ministering, reduced you to being as dry as the people surrounding you? Amen? Are you still tapping into the presence of God? Are you still priming the spiritual pump so that the flow of God is still flowing to, into your life? Are you still communicating to him so that you're getting insight from on high, not only to live your life, but also to impact the lives of people around you? You know, are you truly engaged, amen, in the river that's in the midst of that valley that he has you in, or have you been so tired and worn out and discouraged by the things that have occurred in your life that now you're tapped out too? You're spiritually malnourished spiritually dehydrated, amen? Because if you're drained, how can you minister and impact and nourish somebody else, amen? So we have to make sure we keep ourselves in a place where we're continually fed and nurtured by God. Um, in the book of James, it talks about our speech, and it says that uh, in verse 310, it says, out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My, fr my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a fountain send forth at the same time sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? 
so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and imbued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. So do we go around on a daily basis, you know, well-nourished and also spreading that nourishment, you know, into the lives of other people? Are we refreshed on a daily basis so that we can go out and be a refreshing bomb in the lives of other people? Or have we allowed the things from the past to drain us dry and strip us of our fervency and our um, energy in terms of walking with, with Jesus Christ, you know? Um, uh, we've had times over the years, I know, where I've spoken negative, and the Lord has actually had me, and, and Pam as well. You know, sometimes if, if the Lord placed upon our heart that we have spoken negatively over a situation, there's times that we have us basically retrace our steps and say, now I'm going to speak back over those things, you know. I repent of the things that I've spoken negatively in the past, and now I'm going to speak this forth, amen. You know, there's been times when it's been over family members. There's been times when, you know, as parents, you know, sometimes we let things come out of our mouths like, oh, God, would I speak that? Because now I start to see that. <laughs> Amen? So there's been different things that I've, we've allowed ourselves to do in terms of negativity that God has says, you know what? Now you need to reverse those things that you've already put out there in the atmosphere and spoken over that person. Reverse that thing and then start to, to speak life over that situation. Amen? So if, in other words, you're in a situation where you have a child that has poor grades. And you've been speaking negatively. Oh, you're only failing. You're only failing. You're only failing. You need to start. You need to first repent for having that attitude. And you need to say, now I'm speaking success, educational prosperity over that person. I'm speaking that you're going to be successful in, in high school, in college, in every aspect of life. I'm speaking that there is genius inside of you. Amen. It may not be governed by books. It may be in art or some other area. Amen. But instead of speaking in negative, start to speak godly things over that individual, regardless of what you may have seen in the past. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, one of the things we, we, we deal with a lot of times, too, is that we feel that we've planted so much into the lives of people, and yet I guess we don't see what we consider our return on our investment of time. Anybody ever feel that way? <laughs> Amen? You know, you, you tried this, and you've spoken that, and, you know, you, especially in terms of family members, you may have given money and given things, and, you know, they failed a, a dozen times over, and you've always been there, and yet you're saying, God, I still haven't seen return of the investment of all the things I planted into this life, you know, and they're still stumbling and doing the same old things they did 10 years ago that I warned them about. And, and you start to get worn down, amen? The book of Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. That's an interesting phrase in the, group, in, in the Greek. Um, due season in the Greek is idios kairos. Amen? And the word kairos, well, first of all, a lot of you are familiar with the word chronos, which is chronological 24-hour time. Amen? But then there's kairos, which is God, a, a, a divine appointment with God. Now, the word idios means one's own, amen? So combine them together. What they're saying there in due season is one's own God-appointed time. So he's saying here, if we translate this um, further, it says, for in one's own God-appointed time, we shall reap if we faint not. Every, every farmer knows that there's times where you have to cultivate the land. There's times where you have to plant seed. There's a lot of time where you have to water, you got to, you know, take out, you got to pull up the weeds or put in some weed killer, and there's a long waiting process, amen? 
But if you have that time and that patience, you continue to, you know, work that field. At some point, you have faith that there's going to be a harvest that's much greater than what you originally planted in the ground. And you realize that you may plant one season, but what you did in that one season may reap produce for multiple generations. Amen? Same thing with you and I. You may not have seen the harvest of what you've planted in anybody's life yet. But as we see here, that in one's own God-appointed time, that there is, if you faint not, going to be a, a season of great productivity in your life. So the key thing is not allow yourself to get discouraged by the failures or the disillusionments or the disappointments of what you've seen in the past. Instead, continue to proceed on despite what you've seen, knowing that God, amen, not the people, God is going to bring something out of that situation, and he's going to reward your efforts, amen? And I truly believe that if our labor has been in the field of our loved ones, our neighborhood, you know, that God is going to bring about the harvest. See, a lot of times we don't realize, too, that we want to get the, the spiritual touchdown. I want to minister to them, they get saved. And God may say, in your situation, that's not going to occur. Paul talked about it himself. He said, you know, you know one waters. One plants, one waters, but God gets to increase. So what is your role in the life of those people? Are you the planter? Are you the, the waterer? Are you the person that pulls up the weeds? Or are you the person that finally reaps in the harvest? Regardless of what part of the process God has you in, is still of importance to him, amen? And I think we have to stop saying that I've got to, once again, get the spiritual touchdown. I minister, I see the salvation, and hey, I got another notch on my spiritual belt. It's not about that. Instead, we just need to walk in the love of Jesus Christ and allow God and the Holy Spirit to do the work. And stop measuring our victories and our successes in the kingdom of God based upon what we see. I had a situation, um, just came to mind, I had a situation years ago where, um, we were going out giving Thanksgiving dinners, and um, we got a call uh, at this one uh, apartment building, so I took the food there and everything, and as I was about to leave, the person said, excuse me, you know, and I said, I said well, yeah, sure, what's, what's going on? And they said, well, uh, if you don't mind, there's a woman down the hall who's bedridden. Um, he says, she's, she's, like, she's due any day now, and the thing it makes it so bad, she's got a daughter already, and her husband left her. She said, as far as I know, she may not have any food in the house. So I said, oh, no problem whatsoever. I said, I'll be back in about an hour or so. Could you tell her to make sure, you know, I know you said she's bedridden, but you never know. <laughs> but, but I was like, could you make sure somebody's there to get the food? Because I was like, you know, she might not even be able to open the door. So she said, yeah, I'll work that all out. So I said, all right, I'll be back in about an hour. So I go get more food. I come back, um, knock on the door, and her, her daughter answers the door. So um, first I was just going to bring the food into the table and leave, but I said, you know what? I said, um, is, your, is your mother dressed? And she said, yeah. So I said, um, ask her if I could have a few moments with her. So um, she said, yeah. So I just, you know, ministered the gospel to her, and uh, she said she was saved. Um, she said her husband had struggled with drugs on and off, so he just kind of flipped out over this second pregnancy, which he thought he couldn't afford, and just split. And she said she didn't know where he was. So needless to say, I ministered for a while before I left, I prayed for the restoration of her husband as well as the restoration of her family. Now, I would like to say that in a week or so or whatever, I found something out. But unfortunately, a few weeks from that, I tried to check in again, and she was gone. So I, I pretty much forgot about it. Now, five years later, though, I'm at, at, a, at, a, at my, my last church, and um, talking to this family. The woman's pregnant, 
And, you know, through the ministry and music ministry and everything, we became friends. So um, we were just at the stage where we were getting really different things. And we had a, a crib that was up in the attic. It was, you know, wood, good quality and everything. And I said, you know, it just so happens that um, we have a crib up there. So I said, I'll be glad to give you that because we have to get rid of it anyway. So they said, sure. So I take it over there. And um, uh, we're putting the crib together and everything. And we're talking. And we're talking about all these different people that we know. And she's asked us about, you know, uh, daycares and different things like that we use over the years. And so I'm talking. And all of a sudden, I say this one name of the daycare director. And she's like, Wilcox, Wilcox. And she, you know, she says the name. And all of a sudden, we go, oh, my God. It was the pregnant woman from five years ago. <laughs> Amen. And the thing is, her husband, shortly after that process, got saved, restored, and they started going back to church again. But see, it took me five years to find out what had occurred. So once again, one plants, one waters, God gets the increase. I didn't know what occurred, but God had done his business, amen, in an effective manner. So we may not know, but it doesn't take away the fact that God is moving and working when we're walking in conjunction with what he leads us to do. Now, um, one of the things we have to realize, too, as I said, we've been kind of focusing on uh, the way in which we speak. Um, another verse I want to share is Colossians 4, uh, verses 5 and 6. It says, walk in wisdom towards them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Now, that word season in that passage of Scripture means to be prepared or spiced with stimulating condiments. Once again, it means to be prepared or spiced with stimulating condiments. Just think about that. You know, if, if you go to a place and you eat and the food is kind of bland, first of all, you don't want to eat it while you're sitting there. You especially don't want to come back for a second round, a second plate or a second time at that location. But if you've eaten a meal that really, you know, stimulates your taste buds, amen, you not only want to savor another plate of it, but every time you get an opportunity to eat that dish or to eat at that restaurant, you're anxious to return to that situation, amen? Same thing with us in the kingdom of God. If your words are seasoned and spiced and stimulating to the hearer, you don't have to really worry about whether or not they're going to come back to engage you in conversation about Jesus Christ. Or you don't have to worry about the fact that, you know, will they or won't they you want to seek Jesus Christ. The, the word itself, once it gets planted into their ears and they start to process it, it's going to do the process of stimulating them and making them hunger and thirst for righteousness. So all we have to do is allow ourselves to minister and allow these words that are going to stimulate these things to get them into the place where they want to seek out God for themselves. So instead of us beating them up over the head, instead, we plant the word, the word which is inspired and supernatural does its work, and then they start to seek out God themselves. You know, the root word of that word seasoned mean to, means to lift up or to keep in suspense. In other words, you're giving a person a spiritual cliffhanger. You remember doing the, um, the services during, you know, um, Good Friday and everything, where they did the... Um, the, 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 thing, the, the um, thing on the screen and, you know, tune in next Friday for the next episode of, you know, <laughs> the gospel of Jesus Christ going up to the crucifixion and the resurrection. They gave us a cliffhanger that made us want to come back for more. 
Same thing with us. As we're engaging people, as we're ministering, matter of fact, sometimes as we're not even talking, but we're just allowing the light of Christ to shine through us, through our actions, amen, it stimulates them and makes them crave. What is it in that person that makes them different? Why is this light shining in them, and, and, and why are they doing these things when they don't even know me or they barely know me? Why is this person making sacrifices that they can't possibly afford, things that defy all logic, and they can do it so often? See, it's the Spirit of God. And those are the things that keep them in suspense and make them crave. What is it in you that allows you to do this? And that's when we can have the opportunities to minister to these people. Now, um, as we see in our text scripture, there was a process. You know, first, Ezekiel was placed in the valley of dry bones, and, it, and they were scattered all over the place. And God spoke to him and said, prophesy to those bones. But they didn't just assemble and come to life. Instead, the first stage was that they were reassembled. Then the second, well, basically, that was symbolic of the fact that chaotic lives can be stabilized as we minister to them. Amen? So that's stage one. In the second step, we see that he told him to speak again, prophesy over him again, and it says that sinews and flesh came upon the skeletons, but they were still lightness, lifeless. And to me, that was indicative of, first, their lives are stabilized. Now you're starting to nourish, nourish them spiritually and strengthen them, but yet they may not be saved yet. See, they still may be in a situation where, okay, they had a lot of chaos, now they're stabilized, they're not saved yet, but at least they're no longer devastated by the circumstances in which you first ministered to them. In the third step, it says that they came to life um, due to the wind. And the wind is representative of the Holy Spirit moving in their lives. So they finally got to the place where they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But as you see further down, it says that they were still plagued with dryness or a lack of hope. But finally, in the fourth step, we see that the Lord says he's going to open up the, the graves, put his spirit in them, and eventually he turned them into a great and exceeding army. Amen? So God allows them to go through a process sometimes. My question is, do we have the patience to allow ourselves to minister to them so that regardless of the process that God takes them through, whether it's a quick work or it's a gradual thing, do we have the patience in which we can continue to listen to God and speak over their lives? And one of the things you'll notice in there too is that each step of the way, God could have handled that situation. Amen? But he didn't do that. He kept speaking to him. He kept speaking to Ezekiel and saying, you know, let me see where it is. Then he said to me, initiating an action for the man that was stationed on earth to speak over that situation. So there's a lot of things that God can do, but he's looking, as I said, for a few good men and women, amen, that are willing to, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, to pray and to intercede and not to give up. Not to get discouraged and faint because they haven't necessarily seen what they want to see. And one of the things I want to say finally is that um, he told him to speak to the four winds. Now, um, I'm sure you've seen, you know, seven is, is usually equated to God's perfect number. Eight is the number of new uh, beginnings. Forty is the number of, of generations. Four is the number of world impact. Amen? He tells him to speak to the four winds. 
And I truly believe that there's a reason behind it. First of all, he tells them to speak to the, the four winds so that regardless of where they're located, you know, sometimes we don't know exactly where people are. You know, my neighbor across the street, her son was stricken with drug addiction, and we've been praying for years and didn't know where he was, amen? But we kept praying and praying and praying, and finally he's come back home and he's getting his life together. So we may not know where the person is, but the Spirit of God does. So when we speak to the four winds, when we speak to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can do his job, do his work, and start to move on the behalf of that person, amen, regardless of where they, where they are, and we can believe him that he's going to bring about change, amen, hallelujah. So, and then we have to realize that um, as we're speaking and, and speaking over those people, amen, that God, once again, it's going to use them powerfully, amen, whatever place that he's called them to as well. So there's a process of duplication. Not only does God use us to minister in their lives, but also he starts to turn that process around. As he builds them up, as he stabilizes them, we see that the end result, the end fruit, is that God produces an exceeding and great army that's going to be going out and moving in his likeness, amen, to minister the same way to other people. So my question once again for us is, can these dry bones live, amen? As we're looking at the people around us, once again, are we seeing, you know, nothing but waste and death and discouragement and disillusionment? Or can we start visualizing that even though they may have not accepted what we have for them before, that this is a time and season in which God can, can move on their behalf? You know, can we have the compassion and the discernment to say, God, I don't want to just throw up, you know, short prayers over these people. But Lord, start to show me some of the things that they're going through that might be blocking them from, you know, perceiving Jesus Christ and the fact that they need him. Maybe they have obstacles in their lives that are preventing them from receiving salvation, amen? Things that are weighing them down so much that they just can't see the light of day, amen? All they can see is the bad circumstances surrounding them, but yet God wants to use us to be that vessel, amen? He is, once again, he has not placed you here by random circumstance. He has placed us here that we could be effective in the, the circle of influence that he's called us to. That's an honorable thing that God says, I am entrusting you to be the person that's going to reach that group of people. Amen? Because once again, they could be one heartbeat away from eternal damnation. You know, an eternity separated from God. But yet he chose to say, I trust you. I trust you. I'm placing their destiny in your hands. Amen? I know he's a savior. I know he's, got, you know he's got to reach their heart. The Holy Spirit has to move, and they've got to accept him. Amen? But yet he's saying, I've placed you, you know, on a smaller scale to represent me, you know, to be my ambassador, to minister to that person that they get saved. Amen? So that's, that's a, a vital role and a crucial role, and it's a blessed role. Amen? That we go in heaven and we will see those people coming up, throwing their arms around us because, once again, that little thing that you forgot about, that little seed, bore a lot of fruit in that person's life. They remember that little thing you said, that little thing you did. I talked to somebody the other day, and they were like, you know, we're in a car going over the bridge, and they said, why do you have to say thank you to the toll collectors? I was like, well, is it hurting anybody? <laughs> it, it's two words out of my mouth. Last time I, I checked, I didn't, I didn't strain. I didn't sprain a, a muscle when I allowed the words thank you come out of my mouth. But you don't know. What effect that smile and that thank you may have had. Amen? They may have been having the worst day of their life. I, I worked at Blue Cross years ago, and one thing that struck me that I regret, I was in the, um, I think I was like on the 21st floor, and um, all these people were over at this window. 
And I'm like, what's going on? So I, I go over there, and when I get over there, I'm horrified to see that this woman is dangling from her apartment window. So I started praying and interceding and everything, and unfortunately, that woman jumps. I was like, God, don't ever let me be in a situation where, you know, I can't try to get to that person and, and say that final thing that might separate them from making that terrible decision to take their own life. Amen? We don't know what people are going through, but God says if we could see them alive and speak them alive, amen, and pay the sacrifices, you know, whatever God would have us to do to touch that life, amen, God wants to use us effectively, amen, because he doesn't want to, he could do it himself, but he wants a vessel here on the earth, amen, to call, to call forth his promises over the lives of those people. Can these, these dry bones live? Let's have the musicians come back up, amen, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, cool. <laughs> Let's all rise and um, join in for a, a song. I'll come back for a final prayer.
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise you, Father, right now for giving us the opportunity once again to partake of your word, Father, and to be in the midst of the sweet savor of uh, worshiping you, Lord. We know, Father, that you've got a destiny in store for each one of us, Lord, a divine purpose, a divine call, Lord. And Father, even though we may have uh, failed to um, minister effectively, Lord, or may have thought that we have failed, Lord, but yet you even now are moving in the lives of people surrounding us, Lord. We ask you right now, Father, that by your spirit, Father, first of all, you would quicken us, Lord, change our perceptions of things, Lord, and enable us to see, Father, that you have called us to be a fruitful people. Hallelujah. That, Lord, that even in this day and age where there's so much wickedness, so much idolatry, Lord, that we are the difference makers, Father, in this world. And you've given us, Father, all the tools we need to minister to the Father. You've given us your word. You've given us the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. You've given us the authority, Father, to move, Father, free of the restrictions of this world system, Lord. So we do thank you, Father, right now, Father, that we would start to speak life over to over every situation you've called us to, Father, whether it's at school or at work, Father, especially in our homes with our families and our relatives, Lord. Lord, and, and also in our terms of our communities, Lord. We even praise you, Father, that in the things we don't even think about, Father, the, the grocery stores, the gas stations, Father, everywhere we would go, Father, give us a discerning heart, Father. Give us a heart of compassion, Father. Let us feel the things that the people are going through, Lord, and give us a sensitivity, Father, that we would speak words that are seasoned with salt, Father, that would make them hunger and thirst for righteousness, Father. And we even praise you, Father, that as we would, in some situations, lay hands on people, Father, that we would see miraculous healings, Lord. As we would uh, interact with people, Lord, we would get news, Father, whether we do it directly or we hear of it third party, that they would get saved, Father, and set free by the power of God. And we do thank you, Father, that no matter how bleak the circumstances may have seemed to be in the past, Father, that we are going to see a, a divine harvest and a fruitful harvest, Father, abundant life emanating from all the people that we've prayed for, Lord. We thank and praise you, Father, hallelujah, that you would move powerfully in our lives, Father, hallelujah. Continue to encourage us, continue to build up our faith, Father. Continue to show us, Father, you've called us to be more than conquerors, Lord. Hallelujah. That we would have it be people of impact everywhere we go. And we praise and thank you, Father, for this. Right now, Father, we also lift us each up, every individual as we would head home, Lord. We ask you to give us traveling mercies, Lord. And camp your angels around our cars, Father, to keep us safe and get us home, Father. Hallelujah. If any would be struggling, Father, with sickness, with financial issues, um, spiritual and emotional issues right now, Father, we even praise you, Father, that if either they're refreshed right now or even as they're laying on their beds at night, Father, they would wake up, Father, hallelujah, feeling totally refreshed and realizing that their problems are resolved, Father. And we just praise you and thank you and give you the glory and honor, Father, for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.